Amen. A couple of prayer requests came to my mind as we were worshiping. Uh, let's remember Sister Phillip's dad. Uh, he's, uh, it was okay to, for me to request that. Uh, he's got, they found uh, possibly cancer of tumor in his tonsil, and they're checking to see if it's uh, cancerous, and they will be uh, finding that out this Friday, I believe. So let's pray for him. Also, my mom has a severe case of pink eye. Uh, I need, uh, please pray for her as well. But let's stand together. Let's especially pray for Sister Morgan's uh, dad, that God will touch him and uh, just do uh, work. Amen. His perfect will is what we want to be done in his life. Amen. And, and uh, she prays that very often for her family, that uh, whatever it takes for them to come to the Lord is what uh, she prays. I pray the same prayer with my family. I, I pray with my immediate family and with my own life. I ask the Lord, God, whatever you know that I need to make it to heaven, you put me through that. And I, because I want to go to heaven more than anything. Amen. So let's pray for God's will right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your blessings, Lord. God, I pray that you'll be with Brother F uh, Sister Philip's father, God. Lord, minister to him, God. Let your perfect will be accomplished, Lord, in his life. Touch him, I pray, God. Draw him closer to you. God, more than anything, God, save his soul. Lord, I pray, bring him to Christ, God. I, I pray, Lord, that you will fill him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Open his eyes, I pray, God. Touch my mother, Lord. Take that pink eye away, Jesus, in the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Uh, with the lesson that I'm teaching tonight, uh, I want to let you know we are uh, working on uh, an, another marriage retreat. Uh, we try to have one. Uh, it's been probably about three or four years now, and uh, we we attempt to do that a little bit more often than that, uh, but it is in the, the works, and uh, when we get the specific date, and um, it's probably going to be February of 2018, uh, so it'll give you plenty of time to save your money. Uh, we don't try to do it in the middle of summer or the fall or the holiday, and we found that right around January and February is the best time to do that. So keep that in mind. Uh, I've had a number of you request it, and, and so we are accommodating your request, and we want it as well. Uh, it's very beneficial. Uh, not only is it fun, but it's also very beneficial to the marriage. So I would recommend young and old. Uh, they will uh, really, I believe, minister to both. Uh, no matter what age you are, I believe that can be a great benefit. So we are working on that, and I'm excited about it. Amen. Uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 1, and this is a lesson that I'm going to split up in two lessons. Uh, tonight, I'm going to uh, deal with the family uh, with some wisdom, uh, words of wisdom from Proverbs, and then also uh, I'll be dealing with the husbands and the wives. And so with the lesson tonight uh, on marriage, I, I think that we can uh, glean some things from the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, instead of going verse to verse verse from verse in the in the book of Proverbs, uh, it's easier just to go by topic, and that's uh, pretty well what I've chosen to do on this study, and this is an incredible uh, study. I, I believe that God has given us some uh, words of wisdom through his, his word to help us in our everyday life, but let's look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He uh, taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, 
forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not. And she, uh, she uh, shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. And I had a conversation with my father-in-law a number of years ago, probably about uh, three or four years ago, and we were talking about uh, the family and the importance of uh, family genealogy and, and more so of, the, of what is passed down from our families. And we were, we were discussing strong families and how important it is to uh, develop and to establish uh, strong principles when it comes to family. And uh, we, you know, we got into quite a discussion. He did uh, a, a study on it, and he was referring to uh, different families that have, uh, for generations, uh, been living for the Lord or been able to pass down uh, the truths that they've, you know, grasped a hold of, and, and they were able to preserve uh, these principles. Uh, I came across a book. Uh, it's by a British anthropologist. His name is John Unwin, and he conducted an in-depth study of 80 civilizations that have been uh, that he that have come and gone over the last 4,000 years. And so he discovered a common thread in each of them, and in each instance, they started off with very strong families and very high moral values. And all these civilizations, they had high uh, 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 moral values, and, and the emphasis was on family. And, and, and every one of these, over a period of time, these values began to decline, and the family began to fracture, and it began to fall apart. And as the home hemorrhaged, uh, it says in the, the article, all 80 nations imploded and eventually they collapsed. And I believe this. I, I think that this is a, a, a fact that according to as the, the, as the family goes, so goes the nation. As the family goes, so goes the church. And if we don't have strong families, and that's our theme, building strong families, it is vital. It is so very important to make sure that we maintain a high moral standard in the family structure. Amen? We uh, went to Washington, D.C. I took Raquel there for her 16th birthday. I didn't do it for the other girls, so uh, they were understanding with that. But I did take her for her 16th birthday. She wasn't able to go on any kind of missions trip and never flown in a plane. So we we thought we'd take her, uh, I'd take her to Washington, D.C., met a, a friend of mine who also has a 16-year-old or a daughter that's getting ready to turn 16. So we went to Washington, D.C. early, early Thursday morning and came back Saturday night. But when I began to read this about this article on the family, uh, my concern with America is, is, uh, is profound. I, I am so concerned with the moral uh, a compass that uh, of of our country and where we are headed. And I'll tell you why. Uh, we went into the um, the archives museum, and in the as we began to walk through the the museum, they have different like uh, you know archives that that uh, magazines and articles and and books and that. And we went into a, a part where there's the comic section. And in the 50s, they, were, they had a, a, a commission that they had uh, uh, began to study the violence of these comic books. And so on the, the front cover of this comic book in the 50s was, uh, you know, uh, just tanks and guns. And it was, you know, it looked like a, a violent type of, of comic uh, book, which to me, it was no big deal, you know, but 
back then in the 50s, uh, you know, they were very concerned about that. And that kind of tells about, you know, how we are desensitized many times with time and how things that were really a, a big deal back then have become really a non-issue today. Well, I continued on through there, and I, you know, obviously the commission didn't uh, do a whole lot to stop anything, but uh, as we went on, I, I saw another uh, recent comic magazine, uh, that a comic book that had the, on the cover uh, two uh, men getting married on that magazine. And I thought, you know, how far we've come from the 50s to be concerned about, you know, tanks and guns and, you know, things that are, uh, you know, the violence of, the, of that time that they did not want to instill into the children, all the way to the point where kids are reading comic magazines that, that uh, comic books that have gay men and gay relationships in that magazine. And, and I, I became very um, uh, aware of the fact that, you know, I started thinking about, you know, Ricky and Lucy uh, in the, I guess it would have been the 50s that they were on, on the air, they couldn't even sleep in the same bed uh, in, in that, that era. And yet now today, anything goes. I mean, it's just like the, the, every boundary, every, every uh, protective thing that we have set up in our lives is no longer there. It's almost like anything will go when it comes to the world today. And I become concerned about that because I, I think that, and I, I talk to people at work that are conservatives, good people, they're not apostolic, but they're good people that are very concerned with the moral fabric of our country and what, where, where we are headed and what we are instilling in, and really it, it comes from media and Hollywood and how their agenda is, is to instill these things in our children. And I, I even showed pictures to one of them. I said, you know, the reason why I talk a lot about defending, uh, you know, our, our country and, and uh, the moral uh, uh, values that we have, and I show him a picture of my family, I said, because of that right there. I said, those right there, my wife and my three girls, uh, mean more to me than anything in this world. And so for me, I've got an incentive to make sure that I'm going to protect uh, what I have. Can I get a witness? Amen. You feel the same way? Well, the Bible lets us know that we need wisdom uh, for the family. And so uh, while the world, you know, they, they, they're making decisions. And a lot of and these families are not making the decision, you know, to, to go in that direction necessarily. But it just becomes part of the spirit of the age. You know, uh, to me, there was no big deal to see that comic magazine uh, from the 50s. But, you know, back then it was a big deal. And so things change and, and we become accustomed to what is going on around us in our culture to where we don't even pay attention. Uh, you know, at least I, I believe that we do as a church, but, but people in the world, they don't even pay attention. They, they don't even realize what is out there and what's coming into their homes, into their kids' minds. Uh, but the, there's a need for wisdom, and I think that the, the book of Proverbs uh, gives us some insight on how uh, we should establish our beliefs and our, our moral uh, convictions in our, in our family. But there's three different established uh, human institutions that God established in the, the Word of God. It's the family, human government, and also the local church. And Warren uh, Worsby, he said it like this. He said that as goes the home, so goes the church and the nation. And I, I truly believe that. As our homes go, then so goes uh, this church right here. I'm just, I'll be real specific. If your home is not where it should be, then our church is just going to be flat. And we're not going to really impact our world. But if your home is on fire for God, which I assume it is, and I, I pray to God that it is, then we're going to bring that into the church and into the community, and we will be the church that God would have us to be. 
Amen. It's not up to God uh, just making us be what he would have us to be, but we need to become that. And I think the word of God uh, helps us to, 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 to look at the Word of God and compare ourselves and say, Lord, that's an area I want to work on. I want to be, I want to be a better witness for you. I want to be closer to you. I want the spiritual things of my life to mean more than the carnal things of this life. Amen? All right, let's look at uh, Proverbs. And, uh, I'll uh, begin reading uh, the Scripture in just a moment. But Let's look first at the, I believe, the, the marriage of, of, a, of a man and a woman. You know, when you first get married uh, or when you first have kids, none of us were experts in neither one of them. You know, when I got married, I, I really didn't have a clue on, you know, what it was like to be married. Why? Because I was never married before. You know, just because you have a mom and dad doesn't mean that you, you know, you understand what it is to be married. I mean, I, I observed the, the marriage, but I never was married myself. Uh, same with being a, a mom or dad, you know, you can look at kids and you can, you know, hold them and then give them back to mom and dad. But until you have your own children, you really don't know what it is to be a mom and a dad. So successful marriages, successful parenting, uh, it happens as we gain knowledge and as we gain wisdom and with a lot of help from the Lord and a lot of patience from Him. And, uh, and we pray that God uh, help us to be better parents, to be uh, better husbands and better wives and, and to be better children uh, that will honor, honor their, their, uh, their parents. That's what we are praying for. And I think that that's the instruction, the, the primary source of the instruction that we receive is God's Word. And thank God for His Word that it helps us to become better in those areas. Now, this lesson might be a little difficult for uh, some of you. Uh, perhaps you were, you know, you were in a, a bad relationship, and you're, you know, maybe uh, there are some that perhaps might uh, be divorced. Uh, there could be uh, some that aren't even married at all. Uh, some might be divorced or, or, or a widowed rather. And so, you know, these these principles that I'm going over tonight. Uh, sometimes you know the, they can be a little, uh, a little out of the, out of the realm of what you're dealing with, or maybe uh, it might be a little bit hurtful. You know, sometimes thinking about these principles and maybe memories or whatever. And that's not the intent of the the lesson number one. But especially, I want to speak on behalf of the Word of God. God's Word is never to uh, condemn or it's never to uh, make somebody feel bad. It's never to, you know, push them down and suppress them. The Word of God is always to uh, help us be in, 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 in our instruction on how uh, to be better at what we are trying to accomplish in our, in our personal life. So I, I, I thank God for His Word. I thank God that we can get direction according to His Word for uh, these issues. I want to start with a wisdom for... Uh, husbands. And these are some incredible scriptures I think that we can glean from on how we can, uh, you husbands, how we can become better uh, at, at being a, a husband to our, our wives. Number one, the first thing I want to look at is rejoice in your wife. Rejoice in your wife. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 18. It says, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. You know, how, how many have heard it be said, well, we're just going to live on love? Anybody ever hear that? Anybody ever say that? Maybe when you're younger, okay, I got one pointing and one shaking her head. So uh, that verifies it right there. Uh, so, yeah, we, I, I've heard it be said, and, I, you know, I probably uh, said it myself. You know, I don't have a, a, 
nothing at all, uh, no good job, no nothing, but hey, we love each other. And if I didn't say it, I thought it, you know, we're, we'll just live on love. But, but after life begins to happen and, and situations start to occur, uh, namely the bills come in the, the mail and there's not enough money to uh, pay the bills or to live in something nice, you know, the, the romance I tell in the, in the counseling of our young couples, romance falls flat when there's no money. And so that, that, you know, that wonderful saying is, a, is uh, that, that spark of love, uh, that spark that you have can be very quickly extinguished when it comes to life beginning to set in. Now here the writer is saying to rejoice in the woman you married as a young man. So if a husband is going to be the husband that he needs to be, then he must work on keeping that fire burning. That's what the Word of God says. It's really, in essence, what it's talking about right here. It is the husband's responsibility to make sure that he keeps that fire burning in that marriage. Uh, when was the last time that you truly thank God for your wife, man, sir? Hey, man. <laughs> when was the last time you really thanked God for her? I hope it was, you know, very, very recently that you sincerely, I don't mean just like, oh, God, thank you for my, my wife, my, my kids, my, my job. Thanks for everything, God. But I mean specifically saying, God, I thank you for my wife. And you begin to think about why you are saying that you are thankful for the wife that you have. And I, I think that I, I, you know, I personally cannot imagine life without my wife. I can't imagine our home without my wife. I can't imagine my, my everyday life without my wife being by my side. She's the joy of my life. And how many of men would agree with that for your wife? You better raise your hand. <laughs> Amen. And, and you'd, be, you'd be pitiful without your wife. I know you guys. Be, you'd be rough. You'd be, uh, you'd be up a creek without your your, your good wife. And so thank God that, that he established uh, a marriage as, a, as an, an, a, a way to build strong families, yes, but just the, the pure enjoyment and the companionship of having a spouse uh, by your side. Uh, having a wife was never intended to be a burden or a drag, but instead it should be, bring you a great joy. And that's, I believe, the intent of, of a successful marriage. Of course, it's not going to be an everyday thing, you know, and I've talked about before, we don't, you know, come into the kitchen singing to one another in the morning and, you know, dancing all over the house and all that stuff. I mean, you know, real life takes place in our home, but I'll tell you this, there is a, there's a satisfaction of knowing that there is a desire that I'm going to grow old, so I might as well grow old with a, a, a wonderful lady by my side, you know, and I, I believe that's vice versa for the lady to the man, and, and there's nothing like knowing that that is the, 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 the state that we are in, that God has put us in, and we need to be thankful for that. We need to rejoice in the, the ability to have a, a wonderful wife by our side. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 22, <clears throat> it says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So, in other words, it is God's divine delight. His divine delight is poured into the relationship of a person that understands that, that he's got a 
a, a wife, that he's got a wife uh, uh, by his side that God has given him. The Bible uh, says that uh, whoso findeth, I used to think it said, whoso findeth a good wife findeth a good thing. I misquoted that, that, that for years. But it didn't, a, a wife does not even need the adjective of, of good. I think that's an adjective. Is that right? All right. Some of you. Yep. Okay. All right. So uh, it doesn't even need good before that. A wife is, it stands on her own. You know, for who she is, and the Bible says, whosoever, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. And then if you find that wife, you're going to automatically have the favor of God in your life just by having a wife, a spouse that you have, have married uh, in the Lord. And so we, we must never forget the woman that, that we married, the woman that God has given to us uh, was God's in the first place. You know, he knew her before we knew her. And that means that we need to cherish her and understand that that wife came from a relationship or was created by God, and he sent her into our lives and, and, and understand that she is a gift from God himself. And so when we recognize that, we understand that this is a, a, a blessing, I think that that is the, the part where we begin to, to cherish and understand the blessings of, of God in our lives. Another thing uh, for you dads of daughters, uh, treat your wife the way you want your daughter to be treated by her husband. Let me say that again, you fathers of, of girls. Treat your wife the way you want your daughter to be treated by her husband. Believe me, I thought about that. You know, I thought, man, these, these tender girls will, will marry a guy. And I want to make sure that her expectation of a husband is high. I don't want her to think that, you know, well, that's what I'm used to, so that's what I'm going to get. Men, we need to make sure that we treat our wives like ladies. The way that we love our girls and, uh, you know, if you don't have a girl, imagine what it would be like to have a girl that you're protective of, that you love so much that you want her to be treated well too. That's quite an incentive for us to, to be very, very gentle and kind uh, to our wives. Value your wife. Number two, value your wife. Men, is your wife more important than anything else in this world? Is she very, does she know that? Does she understand that she is the, the number one thing uh, in your life? Don't take your wife for granted. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? You know, uh, the, the value is just way beyond anything this world could ever offer you is the, the, the value that we should uh, uh, view our wife as. Uh, value her by spending time with her. I think that one of the, the greatest causes for failing uh, marriage is the lack of communication and just the breakdown of not uh, really being together a lot and, and not talking a lot. You know, uh, it doesn't really take a genius to, to understand that, that if you don't spend time with somebody, you're not going to be communicating properly. You're not going to be on the same page. You're not going to be uh, talking out the things that you're dealing with in your everyday life. And if it's just kind of like your two ships passing in the night, uh, then, then there's not going to be a, a strong uh, understanding of what each is, is going through, and especially a wife. They need to be able to talk to their, their husband. And so probably the, the most spiritual thing you can do, the most important thing you can do, men, is to sit down and listen to your wife and let her talk and talk and talk. You, my wife can out-talk me. Many times over, and I don't say that as an insult because I, I admire it. I think it's wonderful to talk a lot. And she, she just talks, and, and I'll listen. 
Yeah, a lot of times I'm listening. Sometimes I'm not listening, but most of the time I'm listening. And uh, at some point I got to get some stuff done, but no, I'm really kidding. But you know what I, I found when it comes to, to really talking and, and or really listening, rather, is that in 25 years, I, I've understood this the last uh, number of years, is that I used to think that, you know, when she would talk about a problem or need to express some, you know, frustrations with me, that I'd immediately get into the, I'm going to fix this mode. You know, just tell me about it, I'm going to go out and fix it. But that's really not what was going on. And I, I come to understand that, that her just talking was enough most of the time. So there's sometimes I had to intervene or maybe fix some things, but, but most of the time she felt better just being able to express herself and being able to talk about it. And by the time she was finished, I'd be like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Well, you know, I actually feel better now. And I've heard that many, many times of just being able to express themselves. So husbands, listen to your wives. Let them talk to you. Give them time and, and really comprehend uh, what they're trying to say. Uh, learn her love language. Uh, uh, how many of you know what your wife's love language is? All right. How many really don't? Just if you want to be honest, you know. Okay. All right. You got one brave one back there. All right. Learn it. I mean, really, really learn it. And I, you know, I, I had an idea, but I really verified it at the last marriage retreat, to be honest with you. I, I was just, an, I, I've read Gary Chapman before I understood, I read about the five love languages. Uh, but after a few years of marriage, it's good to, to just reevaluate what that love language was and uh, what it is. And it still is the same love language. But, but I, I just honed in on it, and it was powerful. And I, I decided I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take this lightly, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glean something from this marriage retreat. And so I studied what was it that caused her to, to be able to, uh, for me to be able to connect and for her to, to uh, just have that communication uh, with each other. And I, I understood that. And, and everybody has maybe uh, one main uh, love language. Uh, and then there's maybe some others that they might have. But, but there are some. And these are some of them that, that are, or these are the five that are listed. Uh, the physical touch, uh, words of affirmation, uh, quality time, gifts, and then acts of service. Those are the five uh, love languages. And I, I verified, I, to be honest with you, I was going over my lesson uh, before church, and I said, let me make sure that I, I know your love language. I want to have credibility when I get up there and teach tonight. And I was right. I, understood, I, I had it right. And, and so we need to understand what that love language is of our spouse. And not just the, the wife, but also the, the wife to the husband. What is his love language? And then that way we can communicate. That's what means more to them than anything else. And if we understand that, then, then we can communicate with them. Uh, you know, it may not be convenient, whatever the love language might be, but it doesn't matter. It's not about us. Love is what gives to them. It's what, what we are offering to that, that spouse. And, and so study that. Make sure that you understand what that love language is, both husband and wife. Uh, pursue purity and faithfulness. And this is very, very vital in, in uh, the standard that we are establishing from generation to generation. You know, I, I live my life, I'm going to be honest with you, I live my life not just for me and my, my kids and, and my son-in-law. I'm not living my life just for those that are in the immediate family. I'm looking beyond that. And as you get older, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost, uh, I'm still in my 40s, but I'll be 50 at some point. 
And it, when you reach that age, you begin to reflect a little bit more, and you start thinking a little bit different about things that, that really matter in your life. So I'm looking beyond to the next generation and the generation after that. I want to establish some things in our lives today and in our kids that, uh, today that they can carry on to my grandkids and my great-grandkids and from generation to generation. And you know what? That's what each and every one of you need to do. You need to be thinking about your life, uh, you know, and, and how you can make sure that the generations that follow you are established and they are protected, that the, the strong family that you are today will remain that strong, that we won't be like America and one day just start letting things come in our, our, our family and our, in our lives that one day will be, you know, how in the world that, you know, my great grandkids, what are they doing here? They know better than that. Uh, that's violating the word of God. That, we, don't, we don't operate like that. And if we don't maintain the standard of what's in the word of God, we will lose it. If you don't do it for anybody else, do it for the generations to come in your family. Do it because it's the right thing to do. But if you need a little more motivation, understand that if they don't have that moral compass to point them in the right direction, then they're going to be in trouble. And you know what? Let me, let me say this. I'm going to say this as pastor. Go a little bit further than maybe uh, is necessary. If you've got to go a little bit further with that boundary to make sure it's protected and not living on the edge, because I'll tell you this, every generation will take it a little bit further than the generation prior. I, I, I'm telling you, that's the way it is. And if, you don't, if we don't establish some boundaries and instill it in our children, then they're going to take it a little bit further. And before you know it, it's going to be a watered-down uh, standard or, or maybe a boundary that we can't even recognize sometime in the future. I don't mean that we have to be old-fashioned, but I do know that we need to live by the, the principles of the Word of God. Whatever those principles are, they're not outdated. You know, you, the world can try to say that, but if they're a principle in the Word of God, they are a principle in the Word of God that, that defies time, it defies uh, age and era. It is a, it's, it's always in to do what's obedient to the Word of God. Amen. So, so these, are, these are boundaries. These are, these are uh, 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 moments and uh, uh, character traits of purity that I want to look at here in the, in the Word of God. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 22. Book of Proverbs. I, now, this is going to be maybe an uncomfortable uh, subject. We've got some youth in here. Uh, I, I don't mean this to be uncomfortable. It's the, the, the Word, but I, I'm dealing with the adult class right now in this, in this lesson, but it's good for them to hear this as well. But it provides some pretty graphic warnings against adultery. All right? Now, we don't talk about that very often, but we should. You know, if we don't talk about, uh, you know, holiness and we don't talk about, uh, you know, uh, making sure that we are doing what we should do as far as being faithful to our spouse, then, hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, we might lose it. So we need to talk about certain things. And, and so in the book of Proverbs, since we're studying Proverbs, I can't uh, overlook this issue here. But Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 22, and we don't have a problem with adultery uh, that I know of. And I, I really am confident when I say that. But I want to make sure that we cover these principles so we don't have a problem. We'll continue not to have a problem in this area. But Proverbs 5 and 22 says, The evil deeds of a wicked man, this is the NIV, uh, ensnare him, the cords of his sin hold him fast. Now, every marriage, I don't care what marriage it is, has good days and it's, it has bad days. And in order for us to make sure that the bad days don't overcome the good days, we need to be 
We need to be uh, uh, ravished and enamored by our spouse. We need to make sure that we keep that, that fire burning uh, in, in our relationship with our, our spouse. We need to understand that we, in, in those bad days or those bad times, that we are not foolish enough to be allured by someone that will try to entice us in a different direction to be uh, unfaithful to, to our spouse. One of the best ways to maintain I think our faithfulness, I'm going to read this in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 15, is that we are, we are captivated by our, our spouse, that the, the, our, our wife's beauty is what is, uh, we are enamored by, and we rejoice in her value, and we, we understand that it was God who made her, and she's the focus of our, our life. She is the focus of our life, that our wives are enough for us. You know, I... I I talked to the church a few months ago about this on how is God enough for you or do you need everything else out there? Do you need entertainment? Do you need, uh, do you need uh, social? Do you need all these other things that, that there's nothing necessarily wrong with those things unless they come before God? But is God really enough for you? Or do we have to have those things that are out there in order to be happy? My goodness, my goal my goal for every one of us in this church is for God to be enough for us, that he's enough for us to be able to find happiness and satisfaction in our everyday life. Now, the same thing with a marriage. Our wives, or vice versa, our husbands, uh, need to be enough uh, for us. And Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15 says, Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running, running waters out of thine own well. Uh, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let, the fountain, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. And it goes on and talks about being ravished uh, with her love and not with a, a stranger. It gets kind of specific in, in those areas. And, and so our, desire, our desires need to be for our, our spouse. You know, the falling in love is, is a, a will thing. It's not just a, a feeling, but it's a, it's a will thing. I, I've you know, heard of men say, well, I, I, I don't love her anymore. I've, you know, I've fallen out of love. Well, my answer to them is, well, you need to fall back in love with her because it's a will thing. It's your ability to be able to love that, that person. And, and our will needs to be is to maintain the love that we have for our wives. And I'm talking right now just to the men. Uh, our responsibility is to make sure that we keep that spark in the marriage and keep our, our wives as the central focus of our, of our, our life. Uh, make her feel secure. Your wife needs to feel secure in her marriage relationship. A wise husband builds his mate's self-esteem, realizing the subtle words of the, of the world and the spirit of the world is to really humiliate uh, the godly woman. I mean, they, you talk about, uh, you know, the target on, a, on the back of an individual. It is a godly woman. It's almost like, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, they, for, for doing the right thing or just being a lady, it's almost like there's a, 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 an attack on that, that, that uh, being able to maintain 
being a, a woman of God or a lady. And so uh, make sure that we build the self-esteem of our, of our wives. Let her know that we, we value her, that we respect her, that we, we are thankful that she is who she is. And boy, am I ever. I am so thankful for godly ladies. And I'm not the only one. My, you know, my wife will kind of uh, embarrassingly, embarrassingly tell me that there are older gentlemen that, that open the door for her and they, they smile at her. And, you know, they're not, I hope they're not flirting with you, uh, but they appreciate the godliness of a lady. They recognize it. That's what they're used to. And I don't want to lose that. I, I, I pray to God that we can continue to maintain uh, ladies in this church. We've got little ladies and we've got uh, middle-aged ladies. We've got uh, elderly ladies that we have in this church and, and we need to rejoice in them. We need to thank God that we've got ladies in our church. I think they deserve a hand clap right now. It might seem a little uh, cheesy, but they do deserve the honor uh, for being ladies and women of God. Uh, focus on, on their faithfulness. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 17 in the NIV, it describes the woman uh, who is, uh, now this is, this is wisdom for wives. I, I kind of uh, skipped over uh, this real quick. Uh, this, is, uh, this is wisdom to you wives, and this also has to do uh, with faithfulness. I want to talk to you specifically because uh, the word talks to you specifically about this subject. Proverbs 2 and verse number 17, it describes the woman uh, who has left the partner of her youth, is the NIV again, and ignored the covenant she made before God. Her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirit of the dead. And so God's plan for a marriage is to, to be for life. That is God's plan uh, for marriage. I read this, uh, this little story. Someone once related this uh, story on this uh, older lady's uh, and uh, man's golden wedding anniversary. And the grandmother revealed the secret of her long and happy uh, marriage. She said this. She said, on my wedding day, I decided to choose five of my husband's faults, which for the sake of our marriage, I would overlook. She explained a guest asked her uh, to name some of the, the faults. And she said, to tell you the truth, uh, she said, I never did get around to listing them. But whenever my husband did something that uh, made me hopping mad, I would say to myself, luckily for him, that is one of those five. So she constantly gave him a break. Isn't that beautiful? It almost brought tears to my eyes because I'm thinking, I, you know, that, that is a, a woman that, that loves her husband, that understands uh, sometimes husbands, we don't get it all. We don't get it right all the time. Sometimes we do blow it. Sometimes we don't have a clue and we don't understand the sensitivity and saying things in a, in a way that, you know, isn't, doesn't have the, uh, the most, uh, uh, uh wisest way of, of, of saying those words. And sometimes we do drop the ball, but thank God for godly women that give us a break sometimes, probably more times than we, we, we really deserve. But, but I thought that was a great story. Uh, Women, ladies, wives, you need to cultivate uh, your character. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. What a description there. So one of the best things that you can do for your marriage is to cultivate your character by giving attention to your spiritual development. Make sure that you don't let the spirit of the world overcome you that you start thinking like they think. Continue to be a godly lady. Don't let the world tell you how to think. Don't let them harden your heart. But uh, don't let them take your purity away from them, from you. 
but make sure that you preserve uh, those, those ways to protect you from that spirit of the world. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, thank God for, for the purity of our wives. They protect us. They, they keep us, they keep the home safe sometimes. She's, you know, a, a wife can say, you know, I don't know about this. You listen to your wife, husband. Listen to your wife when she says, I, I don't know, if, I don't feel real comfortable that we ought to be uh, uh, watching this or doing this. Listen to your wife. She's got a pure heart. She's godly. And, and, and wives, don't lose that. Continue to keep your purity because it will be what protects your home. You're doing this for, your, for the protection of your home. Uh, number three, uh, you certainly don't want to drive your husband away by constant quarreling or even, even nagging. <laughs> that was Sister Joy that giggled right there. All you ladies should be giggling right now because I'm sure that there's been moments that you've been on your husband a little bit hard. Now it's my turn to kind of defend the husbands here. I got one amen that's brave enough. You all are cowards out there. <laughs> Proverbs, I'll just give you scripture. That's a safe, safe way to go. Proverbs 21 and verse number 9. It is better to dwell in the corner. I don't know if this is safe or not. <laughs> it is better to dwell in the corner of, a house, of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. What does that tell you? It means that the wife sets the mood of the home. Amen? That's right. Mom ain't happy. Nobody's happy. So the, that mood is set by, by the wife. And, you know, you might think, oh, that's not the way it is in my home. Yes, it is. They really do set that. And you may not think it, you know, the first five minutes or so, but just stick around for a few days. If you don't recognize that or if you don't fix the problem, it can linger, and then you'll get the point. So they really, truly do uh, set the tone in the home. As you focus on your heart uh, relationship with God, ladies, uh, you will become the woman God wants you to be. And in the process, you become a, a, a joy to your husband. You become that joy when you uh, work on that relationship uh, with the Lord and maintain that. Uh, bring... Good to your husband, Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 10 through 31. We're not going to read all them, but it gives excellent instruction as to how to reinforce uh, your husband's significance. And so as a summation of Proverbs chapter 31, when you begin to look at the different traits uh, that, that is mentioned in this, in this chapter, uh, these are some of the things that, that it, it says. It's, uh, she brings him good and not evil. Thank God for that. Uh, she's industrious. Uh, goes, you know, another interpretation of what is listed here is that she takes care of the home. Uh, she is conscientious financially. She takes care of her health. She is compassionate. She is dignified. She guards her tongue. She isn't lazy. These are traits of a godly woman that needs to be uh, prized and, 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 and celebrated because they have developed some character traits that not only protect their, their home, but husband, they protect you. If you've got a desire uh, to do anything in, in, in your life, I mean, whether it be a, a work for God or even a career, to have a godly woman beside you that's not a hindrance, but one that will add to your, your career, and vice versa. I'm not just saying it's a man's career, but, but what I'm talking about is a woman can make or break a man. The, 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 the power and the ability of being able to do that is very real. And so when that happens, 
uh, when there is a, a breaking point and, the, you know, there's, there's that, that uh, devastation that is left, it does leave a, a, a mess. And, and life is not what it could have been if there wasn't two that are working hard towards that, that marriage. And it takes two. You know, if, it, if there is only one in that relationship that wants it to work and the other one eh, really doesn't matter, then guess what? It's not going to get fixed. But it's a responsibility. And it, you can say, well, it's mainly his problem or her problem. They got this. No, it's two. It really is two. And if both put everything into that marriage, then guess what? It can work and it can be successful. But if both of them are not, then, then I, I pray for you. And, and, you know, and, and if that would ever be the case, I would offer my uh, help to try to rectify and to get that desire to be there. Uh, you know, that's, that's hard for me to accomplish, but I'd, be, I'd do what I could to try to at least expose the problem of what is in that marriage. Because a marriage is just worth, worth saving. It's worth working uh, towards. It's worth preserving and protecting. And then uh, the second to last one is learn his love language. Uh, men need to be loved as much as women do. They also want to feel like you understand them and that you respect them. The love language of a man is not necessarily, uh, you know, the, the, the feeling part of it, but it's the respect factor. A man would rather be respected than anything else in this world. And so that is the, the, really the, the main love language of, of a man. But in dealing with a, a husband, they have to feel like you understand them and that you respect them. If you expect him to know how to speak your love language, uh, your language, then you need to learn how to speak his, his language as well. Um, a lot of times we're not good at expressing our feelings. Men are not as good at expressing their feelings as, as women are. So wives, help us do that. Try to help us to, you know, maybe uh, figure us out a little bit more where we're doing a poor job trying to explain the way we're, we're feeling because we're not really good at the, the feeling part. At least, you know, study us and help us along and guide us in that area to where you understand us maybe better than we understand ourselves. I mean, we, we know what we are feeling, but we can't express it as well. And so I'm going to ask you wives to make sure you study your husband and do what you can to, to, to help him become what uh, I believe that God would have him to be. And that, I believe, is the, the job of both the husband and the wife, the husband to the wife to make her what God would have her to be, and the wife to the husband that God would help you to make him what uh, God would have him to be as well. And then finally, the last one is encourage him. You think the, uh, the best of your man by encouraging him and building him up, or are you like the woman in Proverbs chapter 27? And verse 15, a, a constant dripping on a rainy day and a cranky woman are much alike. Ouch. That's the living Bible. That's not the King James. So maybe it's not true. I don't know. But it sure describes it well, doesn't it? Men need to know that they have worth in your eyes. Again, it, it really boils down to the respect part. And they find a major part of their value in your acceptance of them and that you believe in them and that you believe in who they are. Learn to appreciate his uniqueness. Encourage him to, uh, encouragement to him is more important as security is to you. As you want to feel secure, the encouragement of a man is very, very needful and it's something that would help them a whole lot. Uh, I'm going to read a real quick uh, story here at the end as we stand together. I'm coming towards the end of the the lesson here. Uh, the speaker at a woman's club was lecturing on marriage and asked the audience how many of us wanted to mother 
our husbands. One member in the back row raised her hand. Uh, you do want to mother your husband, the speaker asked. Mother, the woman echoed, I thought you said smother. <laughs> so my last point is this. Don't smother your husband. Literally and figuratively, yes. Don't smother them. Give them space. Let them uh, be free to shoot guns and act uh, the fool uh, going hunting or whatever it might be. Just let them, let them be men. Because, you know, the thing is with men, they, they're really little boys and big bodies. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we just need to get out and, and shoot something. Amen. Sometimes we just need to, you know, I got boxing gloves in my basement. And I'm telling you, what we used to do as kids and even uh, teenagers in our early 20s is we used to box. And we'd go in the carport of my mom and dad's garage, and we would just go to town. And we would pound each other until somebody get a bloody nose. And then that was pretty well it because it hurt really bad. <laughs> But, you know, but we, we need our space as well. So, you know, that's, that's my last point that I, I think that, you know, we, we need to understand we are different. But, boy, you get a man and a woman together in a relationship, loving one another, there's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing more powerful in this world. And that's why the enemy is doing his very best to try to break up the, the marriage between a man and a woman. He knows how powerful that is. He understands the just the, the moral fabric that is being laid in our country simply by a husband and a wife that love each other, that's on the same side. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm looking around right now. I got some wives holding on to their husband's arms, and, and this is beautiful. I, I, I love to see couples that love each other, that are rooting for one another, that believe in one another. That's the way it ought to be.